0: Welcome everyone. We are about to begin. SS Hashem uh, feedback and insights um, number twenty-three. Email address shalambaya seven 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 at gmail.com. I'll talk today about the joy and the simcha and the freedom that one feels ultimately when they release themselves from the unhealthy Tivus and from the unhealthy practices of the past even though it's hard to do but uh, as you do it and once it's done there's a special freedom that you feel when it's done and um, first thing you need to know that whatever your sexual experiences took place pre-marriage or up to this point whether you were actually physically with someone or whether it was masturbation, porn, things like that, or watching inappropriate things, it's important that from this day onward um, that you throw that um, baggage out the window and start looking at everything starting fresh and um, view the whole subject of marital marital intimacy with new fresh eyes, with a clarity, and with a correct hashkoffa going forward. Now, as far as discussing this conversation of those types of issues with um, at home with teenage children, really depends on the situation, depends on the personalities involved, uh, depends on the, the relationship you have with your children. Um, but in our generation, if it's expressed correctly, it's probably beneficial uh, to have those real, mature conversations from time to time. If it's addressed in a compassionate, open, and responsible way, that's the best thing. Because discussing these things, this is not a dirty subject. That's a misconception. It's it's a life subject. And if as a parent, you have a good marriage, and uh, you want to have a good connection with your children, And uh, to have those discussions may be beneficial, again, if it's discussed the right way. And if you have that type of relationship where you could speak somewhat freely about these subjects, then it's worthwhile to give it a try. The first thing you need to know, and this is a universal fact, that pornography has a very negative effect on sexuality. That's not just for teenagers who indulge in it, but it applies to married adults And not just for men. People think it's just a men disease, you know, um, watching porn and escaping that way. And unfortunately, in this generation, it may have been also some prior generations, I don't know, uh, women fall into it too, and it's equally unhealthy for women as for men. Unfortunately, pornography has been normalized in our society, in our culture, People don't see it as a negative thing. Um, the people view it as just being open. It's a free country, free expression. Um, but the truth is, it's it's destroying lives, and it's destroying intimacy in marriage. You would think it's the reverse. And again, I know some, you know, this is why you have to be very, very careful when you're w- listening to advice or reading books that don't come from Torah perspective. And the truth is it's unhealthy even from a non-Jewish perspective that some say you want to spice up your marriage, you know, watch porn together, you know, and, and you know, learn these things together that way. Uh, but it usually happens, what you're doing then is you're inviting other people into your bedroom. And it, de-sensit- it really desensitizes de-sensit- the whole sexual thing. And it, this has been proven. And those um, are and proven that if you get used to that, it becomes an addiction. And when it becomes an addiction, it works on the brain like heroin does. Uh, very similarly in the brain um, structure when that happens because basically what's happening is like this the indulging in pornography as an example is a temporary pleasure but it ends up very often with long-term regret now if you're a religious person and you're a torah observant person there's more to it because you know it's you have that weight of the Isr, of the prohibition of loisah suru and of course is the, the zerulahatola and all that but it's Equally true, uh, you know, in sec, in the secular uh, world, it took it does create long term regret when you when that is used very often. It blocks real intimacy in a marriage. It blocks from having real relationships in a marriage. A real relationship in a marriage. It blocks you from feeling certain things, um, and it does have that addictive nature to it. And anything with an addictive nature, again, as it feels great at the moment and the relief that you release you feel at the moment, but it really causes a lot of pain because you feel you always like you can't live without it and you need it and that creates a tremendous amount of distress. Anyone who had suffered from addiction in the past would know this. But again, nothing is reversible and it's important whether you're single and you're a teenager still, or whether you're married and you're still Unfortunately, tied into this, you have to turn the corner today. You have to turn turn that corner now. Yes, it feels good at the moment sometimes. It feels, you know, you feel a certain relief, an escape. But it has real serious repercussions. um, Because, and, 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 and in marriage, it's terribly harmful. And the reason behind this is simply, again... That any sexual gratification that comes from anything or anyone other than your own husband or from your own wife is unhealthy. And uh, when focused just on your zivig, who is meant for you, your husband and your wife, then it's a right thing, and then it's very healthy. Again, it's the paradox again. And... Um, we talked about um, in, in the Shalom series, or we will talk about, of if you had or have these baggages, sexual baggage from the past, how much to tell your husband or wife about it. It's a very tricky question. Again, that's, I, I said, there's certain things that are above my head completely. I'll tell you as we go along what particular subject matter is way beyond that I can't even advise upon one way or the other. This is one of them. One of them is if someone was unfaithful unfaith- in the past or is currently unfaithful, what do they tell their spouse? And we talked about that, I think, in Shalom is 60 and 61, or we'll talk about in Shalom Bias sixty sixty one about that subject. Um, And the same thing over here, you know, how much do you say, how much do you not say? Um, Again, ideally, we talked of that excess secretiveness is unhealthy. On the other hand, you know, so you should say maybe something, but if it's thousand percent in the past and it's done with, then what's the point? There's no point to it. So you need shikal hadas. Um, You know, you need shikal hadas. On 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 those type of things, but um, if usually the 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 mindset is if it's something all the way in the past under the bridge it's over already and uh, it's it's over and done with that then that makes more sense just to move on you know and not they'll deal with it you know unless there's underlying issues whatever then then you have to talk it over with people that are um, confidential and responsible and can help. But if it's a present issue and it's ongoing, then you have to deal with it head on. Whether your spouse knows about it or doesn't know about it, makes no difference in that sense that you, you ultimately, even if your husband or wife is unaware of the particular thing you're being involved in, they'll sense there's a distance. And it will cause damage over time if you don't deal with it now. Um... So unless you take the steps now to safeguard yourself and stop these negative behaviors, do your best to, to, you know, shut it down, cold turkey, Um, unless you do that, um, you know, it'll linger, these effects, and therefore you have to deal with it now. And again, another thing that's beyond me uh, is if anyone experienced in their past sexual abuse, they need counseling for that. And that has to be dealt with professionally. And, um, and uh, that makes no difference whether the victim of that uh, sexual abuse is the husband or the wife. Uh, you need to get professional help in regard to that. And um, that's very important. Um, but, you know, if someone Khalil experienced this in the past, they need to know it's not their fault. But they do need help to deal with it. Because sexual abuse in the past can cause problems uh, on many levels in a current marriage. And it's something that is not the victim's fault at all whatsoever, as we all know. That's clear as day. And they just need support and love, and they need guidance. But they should get counseling to get beyond that, because you don't want it to to affect negatively the intimate life between a husband and and a wife. And um, what I also need to discuss here is very often uh, someone who was not religious early on and became religious or was less religious and became more religious. I'm talking about an entire value life. So it could be that um, here's an issue that I think some Balichuva have. For example, even a couple together became Balichuva. And this is also a thing that has to be, um, you know, counteracted, is that what happens sometimes is, is that before they were from, or if they were less from, or more modern, quote-unquote, and they became more religious, what happens a lot of times is that their sex life, their sexual life together, becomes more stale and more, um, you know, um petering out than when they become more, you know, when when they become more from. Now, like I said before, if your past freedoms that you did with each other before you became religious was because you were watching porn or other any other unhealthy mediums, then the fact that you stop that stuff can only be a positive. That's a t- positive and, and because that's not the right way to go anyway. But generally speaking, though, if the focus was, you know, in the past, before you were religious and you were sexual with each other, purely between a husband and a wife, then it's usually a mistake to, because of your becoming more from, to to decide consciously or not consciously or feeling guilty or whatever it is to become more reserved in that area as you become more from. And um, this is especially true when you want you hear about certain restrictions and you want to become more from and that's wonderful. but the other you know one of them feels that way for example. the other one still wants that sexual freedom, of expression that they had as before, and that could create a conflict. And um, again, you know, as you become more from, you may associate that sexual openness with your spouse as a sin, as a hate, or as a, um animalistic thing, that now that you learn more about higher values, it's more, you know, you're more uh, spiritual. But that, I think, is a mistake. Um, it's very important not to have that mindset and to realize that, the relationship physically between a husband and a wife is a very special thing. And if there is a conflict, and if it's something that's technically permitted, you ha- it's very important to keep that going and not have any type of restriction like that as you become more from. As long as you're keeping halacha, meaning you're keeping taras ha of course, during the nida period. And you're keeping certain halachas, there are certain specific halachas that are, you know, you should be, stay away from. But in general, it's important that in a marriage of someone who was less religious, became more religious, they, there still needs to be a certain amount of excitement, of fun, of creativity and they both still need to be comfortable with their sexual life. Frum does not mean that you become less comfortable with your private sexual life with your husband and wife. And that's very important. As you become more erlich, more from, or even more older, and you say, what do I need this for anymore? I'm all getting older anyway. It's not so simple. You know, the, the Yetzirah works overtime with other things. This is not the place if it's again i'm talking specifically husband and wife you, focusing on each other this is not the place to you know direct your reservations about these things um and um and this is very important you know why it's very important because i have this feeling and again i've i've sensed it and people talked about it sometimes that even people who are not Torah observant right now, but they learn about it and they realize that they want to become more from, they want to become closer to Hashem and keep His Torah, they, nevertheless, they hold back because they have certain reservations thinking that if you become Torah observant, you're giving up on a lot of pleasures in life, including the sexual freedoms that you had with your wife before you become religious. And that's a big mistake. Now yeah, it's true. porn is out of the picture but porn is har- harmless regardless. It's proven scientifically and go all- again and again and again. it's harmless for a non-jew. Uh, it's harmless if even if it will be technically fully permitted, it's, it's it, I mean, it's harmful. It's extremely harmful. And ha-mishpacha, of course, you have to keep also. But again, ha-mishpacha is something that enhances, and we could prove it. It enhances sexual life between a husband and a wife. It has them enjoy that experience a lot more, and um, even more than you experienced the sexuality before you became tare observant. So that's also a misconception, and it's sad when people have this misconception. And that's very, I just encourage anyone who is currently not yet religious or not uh, fully Torah observant, and they have reservations because they feel that they will be restricted in many ways. You know, Shabbos seems restrictive, be keeping kosher seems restrictive. There's a lot of freedoms that come along with it, and a lot of, a lot of physical enjoyments in this world that comes along with um, with keeping Torah. And again, porn should be out of the picture anyway, and that'll only make your sexual life better. Taras kept will enhance the sexual relationship, and there's no reason that you're Private sexual life between your hus- husband and wife is uh, less enjoyable because you become more Torah observant. It could even become more enjoyable because you're Torah observant. So uh, it may seem like a small thing, but trust me, it's not a small thing. People think about these things when they want to, ch- when they're considering changing their lifestyle. Yes, tyra you know, keeping Torah does require a certain level of. Giving up Messiris Nefesh, it's a big sacrifice and it's a tremendous show of character to do that, tremendous. And it's not always easy, there's bumps in the road, you know, no one's going to deny that, but the concept of worrying that you're going to be shut down from enjoying life is and physical life is just simply not true. And if a rabbi tells you that, then you've got to find a rabbi that tells you otherwise, an orthodox from Ehrlich rabbi, because they'll tell you very much what I'm telling you. No questions asked. And then this is something, I'll just bring it up now. We need a separate shear on this subject, this applies to second marriages. Whether the first marriage ended with a death or a divorce, and you're embarking upon a second marriage, it's important to put the first marriage behind you. Uh, whether it's the sexual aspects of that first marriage, or whether, uh, you know, uh, and and we're going to learn, I'm going to make sure on it, the It's extremely important that there should be no comparisons. In this sense, you need to move on and live in the present. You shut down any comparisons to prior marriages or to what your prior husband or wife was like. And the truth is, you would think that in divorce it's not an issue, it is an issue. You know, if if someone really had a wonderful marriage and their spouse died, then it makes sense to say, you know, you're marrying a second time, you do comparison games, it could be unhealthy to the current relationship. While when you're divorced, you're divorced presumably because you did not the relationship did not work out, so what's the harm? But there is harm, because even in divorce situations, there's nevertheless certain good qualities of various sorts that, despite the fact that the marriage didn't work out, that your first spouse had, that your second spouse may be lacking... And these comparison stuff in your head, whether it's in the sexual realm or in just general life realm, is extremely unhealthy. And that's not the way to build a relationship. And uh, again, I'm bringing it up now. If there's any feedback, uh, you know, to talk about it, uh, that people who had experience with this, I'd be happy to hear about it. I am planning on doing more research about it. But that is very important when Hashem Baruch Hu arranges to give you the bracha of having a second marriage and to be zeichet, to be together with somebody again um, in this life in the present, and that's what Hashem wants. Then it's very important to focus uniquely and only on your current husband and your current wife. Period, and that's it, and. Um, Not to dwell on the past, but appreciate the present, and that is the success, and that's what Hashem wants from you now. You know, all these philosophical things of where I'm going to end up after 120 and which neshama I'm going to be, you leave that up to God. That's God's issue. Hashem runs the world, and He prepared this for you. He wants this second marriage to be a tremendous matana for you, a healing for you, a gift for you, and the best way to to have this connection is that it's only you and only her. It's only you and it's only him. And that in this sense, you have to live in the present and not live in the past and appreciate this relationship intrinsically without any types of comparisons. And as Hashem, hopefully we'll be able to talk about this as well. Take care.